0: prayer for inner healing. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, please come and heal my wounded and troubled heart. I beg you to heal the torments that are causing anxiety in my life. I beg you in a particular way to heal the underlying source of my sinfulness, my fears. I beg you to come into my life and heal the psychological harms that struck me in my childhood and from the injury they have caused throughout my life. I beg you to come into my life and heal the psychological harms that struck me due to my addiction. Lord Jesus you know my burdens. I lay them on your good shepherd's heart. I beseech you by the merits of the great open wound in your heart to heal the small wounds that are in mine. Heal my memories so that nothing that has happened to me will cause me to remain in pain, anguish, fear, and stress. Heal, O Lord, all those wounds that have been the cause of evil that is rooted in my life. I want to forgive all those who have offended me. Look to those inner sores that make me unable to forgive. You came to forgive the afflicted of heart. Please heal my wounded and troubled heart. Heal, O Lord Jesus, all those intimate wounds that are the root cause of my physical illness, mental illness, psychological illness, and spiritual illness. I offer you my heart, my love, my mercy. Accept it. Lord, purify it and give me the sentiments of your divine heart. Heal me, O Lord, from the pain caused by the death of my loved ones. Grant me to regain peace and joy in the knowledge that you are the resurrection and the life. Make me an authentic witness to your resurrection, your victory over sin and death, and your loving presence among all men and women. Amen prayer for inner healing. Hello friends and family, welcome back to the Sober's Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Cannon, and today I want to give 20 practical tips for family members and loved ones dealing with a person addicted to drugs and alcohol. This is a very passionate topic for me, and um, I definitely think that we need more content and more people speaking to the families and friends of loved ones that are dealing with drugs and alcohol addiction because the other side of the addiction spectrum it's no joke and it's very disheartening discouraging and and painful for family members and friends who have to live with us see us decline and deal with that reality and when we're in our addiction and we're spiraling our family members and our loved ones are also spiral, spiraling with us. And this is an important topic. First, I would like to thank everyone out there that's been leaving reviews for So Biz Dope. Everyone out there that's been leaving reviews for the So Biz Dope book and podcast. And everyone out there that's been sharing feedback and messages on So Biz Dope Instagram. And whether it's through email, social media. I love you all. Thank you for the feedback. When you're on your journeys and you're out there, and I know a lot of times we're struggling um, in early recovery or in recovery in general, or we may be struggling addiction, trying to get to a state of recovery, it's not easy. So I'm with you on your journey. So whenever you reach out to me, I'm going to try my best to reach out to you because we're one community and the Sober is Dope community is thriving. And our community just consists of Communication. You guys communicating with me. I'm communicating back with you. We share resources. We open up to each other. We become vulnerable. We tell each other how we're feeling. We admit when we struggle and we grow through the pain together. All right. So I love you all. But To the Sober stove community and to the recovery community, first thing I wanna say, when you're struggling in early recovery or you're struggling in recovery in general, or you're in active addiction, or you're sober curious, I have something that I really need to say to you. If you're having doubts and you're struggling to maintain your recovery, you have to keep in mind that it's not just you that's on that journey. You have to think about the family. You have to think about the people in your life that love you, that need you. Now I know a lot of people is going to say, well, we have to be selfish in recovery. It's about us. We got to do it for ourselves." I agree. You have to recover for yourself, but you must be mindful of the pain that our addictions cause the people that we love. It's horrible. It's hard. I remember the pain that I inflicted on my family and friends, and it wasn't pretty. You know, People live normal lives, they go about their business, they have emotions, they're sensitive, they're, they love you, they care, they live with your addiction, they take it to work with them, they take it to school with them, they go to bed with it, they're afraid, they don't know which version of you they're going to get. It's a tough reality. So we can't just always make it all about us. It has to be about the people that ride for us and love us, our parents and um, our brothers and sisters, maybe cousins, aunties, whatever. Every one of us have different family elements and different friends, but it's real. And I hear the harvest stories. Uh, I have a mother right now that's just it's sad, she can't sleep, she doesn't live a normal life, all day she's in pins and needles, she can't live a normal life. I'm afraid for her health, I don't think she's healthy, I don't think she's mentally healthy. She's living 100% vicariously through her son's addiction and it's killing her. And I try to explain to her that she has to be strong and she has to find balance and she can't get consumed but as a mother. And it's her son, and she loves him. It's that difficult, right? Now, if now, when we're in our addictions, now you know, I'm, I'm, now I'm relating back to us when we, when I, when I, when I was in my addiction, or when we're in our addiction, our addiction robs us of the empathy and compassion to even com, c- connect. We feel bad, we, but we know we still have to do what we have to do, right? We're going through the motions, but we have to recognize that reality when we're in recovery we have to all right so when you are sitting there and like yeah I'm struggling it's difficult I'm sober but you have to think about every all the pain you put everyone through all the pain you put yourself through and you know is it really worth putting the people that you love through that again Or can you really dig deep, have compassion for yourself and them and do the work that's needed and stop playing games? All right. Now, who are you, Pop, to say stop playing games? Don't be preaching. Don't be preaching. I get you. I get you. Right. I don't want to be preaching. All right. But I'm with you. I have to wake up every day and I have to say to myself, man, you know, you got to fight today, Pop. All right. You got to fight today. You know, I've been stressed. Sometimes I get stressed. Like all of us, we're human. We're gonna get stressed. We're gonna have fears. We're gonna have anxiety. We're gonna be worried. We're gonna be on. You know, sometimes scared to death about what's happening in our life, what's going on in our life. But we must remember, when you're in recovery, you are already uh, fighting a good fight. You're already at the top of your game anything beyond that or besides that is setting you back and most of us don't come back from that we die in that alright I always you know Sober is Dope it's our message on Sober is Dope for anyone that's listening I don't care if you're a counselor doctor scientist person in recovery doesn't matter if you're listening It's our message that we beat rock bottoms as we get back on the wagon before we hit rock bottom because we know we might die in rock bottom. And that's not an option for us on Soap is Dope. Our community don't roll like that. We're honest. We take accountability. And when we do have a relapse, we say, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and wallow in the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment. I'm going to dust it all, dust my shoulders off, get up, you know, and get back on the wagon because it's my life, that I, you know, it's my life. Okay, we do make mistakes in recovery, we do slip up, but we don't have to feed into the negative programming that we always have to hit rock bottom, that we have to go all the way through the Moses. We have to give in every negative impulse before we find the strength to get back. I can understand when we don't know better, right? If you're someone that's an active addiction, this is your first time around, and you find your recovery, you might have a relapse, you might have to go off the deep end, you know, okay. But for most of us who had a couple of relapses and been around the block and have some time under our belts, we know, we know. Say, I heard it from Pop, I know there's an option where I don't have to play this narrative out to the potential of me dying, all right? But this episode is not necessarily about us. It's also about the ones that we love and the pain. So I want to speak to them. To the parents out there that's dealing with uh, love, a child, that's dealing with addiction, I pray for you. My heart goes out to you. It's one of the most painful things to see that I can imagine. I'm not a parent, but I'm speaking through my mother who had to deal with me and I know the pain that she had, I know the pain that I put her through, I know the pain that she was in, right? My mom, We, you know, sometimes when we talk about it, we instantly start crying and it's like, we don't wanna go back and it wasn't like to the point where i was robbing stealing stuff from my mom and you know doing all of this stuff we just had my my mother and i had one big fight one day it was just one fight out of all my years of being in addiction we had this one fight um that was just bad it wasn't physical it was just the way it happened i was ashamed She was really hurt, and she was at an age, and I was at an age where it wasn't healthy for none of us, for for, for any of us, right? and it really hurt her and I felt bad. That was one of the reasons when I left that day for my mom's house, she said, Joseph, don't come back here. Okay, just don't come back. You're not allowed here no more. And that's my childhood place, right? And I love my mom with all my heart and she raised us after my father died and she, she didn't need that shit. She didn't need me getting drunk that day and blowing up on her, whether I was right, whether she triggered me, whatever, it didn't matter, it was my mother. And sober pop would have known the difference that you're not gonna sit here and blow up and go tit for tat with your mom and get her blood pressure up and stress her out. So I had to live with that, but I made amends. Like, I, I, that's my lady, I love her. I got sober, I help her. For her recovery, um, not that she was, like, in a bad way, but, you know, I was explaining to my mother the health ramifications of just drinking alcohol in general. I was like, Mom, I don't want that for you. I think that, you know, we, we let's, I want for my family. I want my whole family just to put, just don't, drinking is not an option for us. And my recovery kind of prompted the whole theme of the family, just not making alcohol, Uh, Pastime or the center Of our festivities anymore All right, so now when we have A Buchanan family party There's no alcohol in the house There might be one lone bottle of wine That someone brings over That no one touches We're sharing uh, We have non-alcoholic wines Juices, beverages We juice actual juicing and stuff It's beautiful The point I'm trying to make To the parents out there I could relate And I know, I want you to know this. This is what I wanted to say to the parents out there. Whether your child can't articulate it, whether they don't communicate it, whether they rob you, they stole all your money, they consistently challenge you, they curse you out, they talk to you like you're garbage, as another person that's in addiction recovery they know that their, their addiction is really hard but they know that they are hurting you and they feel bad about it it's probably one of the reasons they keep using because they feel like it's this feeling that we have an addiction where we did so much damage we burnt so many bridges that were so were, we're such failures that There's nothing that we can ever do to make it it better. There's nothing we can ever do to fix the damage we cause. So we might as well just keep using and using and numbing the pain until we eventually die and just get it all over with. The, The cycle of addiction is very ugly. It's very dark. It's insidious and sad. So to the parents out there, know that your child loves you know that they're not doing this to hurt you. They're hurting themselves and they're just addicted and it's really tough. And we all pray that they get to a point where they could break that cycle of addiction before dying. And you'll see once they do, or once they sober up, they're actually good people and we know that. So be patient, try to um, protect yourself at all costs. In this episode, I'm gonna give you a lot of tips to siblings Um, significant others, cousins, and everyone else that's related closely to the addict or someone that's dealing with um, substance misuse. I need you to understand that although it's an inconvenience for you, it's never going to be more of an inconvenience than it is for the person that's dealing with the addiction. The addiction itself is the greatest inconvenience to the addict. It's like they're stuck in this slave cycle based on the addictive power of the chemicals that they're misusing, right? That dopamine cycle um is just gripping that uh that addiction cycle is just something that they, what they call the dopamine trap or the addiction trap is no, there's nothing to play with. It's a nasty thing. Once your brain gets hooked and you get stuck in that cycle and you go down that rabbit hole, it's like something you're on automatic and that order, auto, that automation is killing you from the inside out and it's damaging your brain and it's messing with your decision making factors and you're just going through this horrible thing. Now, I know that it's an inconvenience, and I know that it it hurts, and I know that you want the best, but speaking down to someone that's addicted or saying things like, why you just can't get better, and you should know better, and why you just can't get clean, and that never helps. So the point of this episode is to say that we're empathetic to your plight, We know that it's hurtful and it's hard dealing with a family member or someone that you love, maybe your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, or significant other, or appropriate gender orientation. Sobizdo wants to recognize that when I say um, in a relationship, I'm talking about any gender orientation, anything like that, that's inclusive to everyone to be fair, right? Um, Because Sobizdo wants to be just correct that way, and I don't want to alienate anyone. This episode, when I say say friends and family, I'm talking about every single type of person that's out there, no matter what you identify with. Now, you're gonna have someone in your life that you're very close to, that you love, and I just want everyone out there to know that patience is key. Prayer is key, love is key, compassion is key. And pray you're never in a position where you're stuck in an addiction because you'll see real fast that there is some compassion needed. Now, I'ma say this. Are you allowed to get pissed and angry? Hell yeah. I mean, in my recovery, uh, in this 10 years, I had to deal with people that I loved that was in addiction. And i will be pissed. i will be upset. And it's very hard. And I'm like, you know what? I just want things to be better. I'm tired of this. Like, this is like something got to stop. You know, I go through the same motions too. You'll be funny. I mean, it's funny that I'm pop. You can and the founder sober is dope. Ten years sober, and I found myself extremely frustrated with friends of mine that was dealing with addiction that I was very close to. I was extremely disappointed. And I was extremely hurt. But did I give up on them? No. Did I write them off? No. Did I stay there and stick in with them? Yes. Did I give them hard talk sometime? Yes. Did I flip out sometime and get upset with them? Yes. Did I eventually apologize and say, listen, I love you and no matter what, I have your back? Yes. So you're going to be human and that's okay. All right. But before you totally lose your shit on your family member or friend that's an addiction, just remember that they're dying every moment they're using and there is so much pain that if you could feel that pain that they're going through you would have a lot of compassion because it's easy to judge from one perspective but it's very difficult to judge from another perspective um when you can't when you're not too close to it so Here's 20 practical tips for family members and loved ones dealing with a person that's addicted to drugs and alcohol. And I just want you to know that I'm contemplating um, making either our next book or our third book about this subject because the first book was Sobriety, Prayers, and Affirmations, for um uh health for abundance and stuff and for recovery but the next one i want to be i want it to be prayers and practical tips and stuff for the family member that's dealing with it because we have to create balance we have to give resources to the people out there that's riding for us while we're in our addiction so for anyone that's out there in active addiction and you're using right now and someone shares this episode please share this episode with them um, just know that you're hurting yourself and as a as a byproduct of that you're hurting everyone else around you and you have to get sober for yourself because you deserve to be clean and sober and you deserve a, a life without the terrors of addiction the torment of addiction the slavery of addiction the terrible cycles of addiction the horrid st- uh, nature of addiction it's terrible it's nothing fun it's like a real horror movie, man. It's like one of those real crazy insidious type movies where you look at the dimensions and the, the how demented and dark that parts of the mind can be and the torment and the, 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 the terror that we inflict on ourselves. Addiction is really horrible. It's not a game, okay? All right, anything that could rob you from being your best version of yourself and put you in a state of... squalor and just total debasement um, on a consistent basis and mentally help you um, put you in a place where you're questioning every fabric of your being and you're in this dark cycle and you and you're hurting on multiple levels and your mental health is pulling you and your spiritual identity is pulling you and all of this anything that could put you in that state of being is something we want to really eradicate out of our lives, from our lives. All right, so tip number one, I need you to educate yourself on addiction, learn about the nature of addiction, its causes and the potential treatment options. A better understanding of addiction can help you make informed decisions. So this is for friends and family of the of loved ones dealing with anyone that's addicted to drugs and alcohol, please educate yourself on addiction. So you can kind of understand the nature of it, right? Be supportive, show love, show your loved ones that you are there for them and that you care about their well-being. Offer encouragement and support during their recovery process, but offer encouragement and support during their addiction also, as well, okay? encouragement and support it doesn't always mean financial support but it also doesn't mean cutting them off financially and punishing them because sometimes when you punish your addict like that and you kind of use your money against them they wind up going out there and doing things that's even more horrible and then they wind up like totally putting themselves in positions where they could get killed so there's a thin line i'm not saying bankroll the person in your life so they could get high and drunk all day but also set some parameters and show support and just be mindful that this thing is like it's either you or they're going to go to the streets and then sometimes you won't ever get them back so you have to find some type of way of talking to your family and sitting down and saying how are we going to deal with the person that we love in this scenario. What are we going to do? What's what's acceptable? Like what acceptable is, listen, well, you always have food. You always have a place to take a shower. You always have a place for clean clothes. You always have access to rehab if you need it. Um, you'll have a small allowance probably once a month because you're human, but we're not giving you money for drugs and alcohol. That could be the thing. So you give them their little allowance, they want to use it, they know, okay, I can't come to my family for that, but I can come to my family to to, to do things that can help me be better. Like, I know I can eat. I, I mean, I have friends who family wouldn't even let them come home to have a square meal, right? couldn't even take a shower, couldn't even, you know, wouldn't even give them clothes and stuff. And like, it was just like, I don't, don't come around here until you get yourself together. And that's cutting someone off to such a point where you're pushing them totally out your life because they're struggling with this disease or this mental disease um, called addiction and you're punishing them. For something that they pretty much don't have control over. Anyone that says, oh, you should have control and you should be able, to, they're, they're idiots. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be politically correct. I have to curse people out on the internet all day. Why don't you just have self control? If you say that to Pop, you can, and we're going to get into a verbal fight. Because that's like telling, it's just, I'm not even giving an analogy. It's just the most, it's the worst thing you can say to someone that's an addiction. If I had self control, I would not be addicted to say it. It makes you an asshat. That's it. So, don't punish the person that you love um, in addiction, and don't use like, don't leverage things against them. That's the I I see people do that a lot. Like, well, I'm not doing this unless you do that, and you create all these ultimatums. You have to be very clear. I want you to find your recovery, and I want us to talk about it every time. When you're sober and you hit them when they're sober, you never deal with them or try to school them and talk to them when they're high or intoxicated off of alcohol and drugs It's the worst thing you could do. Because the brain, they receive it, but you gotta get them in that morning when they wake up, you gotta grab them, hug them, say, listen, get in the shower, have a little cup of coffee for me, eat for me, I wanna tell you some things, I need to talk to you, all right? Now I know you're going through addiction, now, sometimes when you can empathize with them, this is the point of educating yourself. When you can empathize with someone that you love um, and you understand the addiction, you can speak to them in a way that that, that kind of stares them towards recovery by saying, listen, today, I know you're going to have to use today. I know that, right? Because you're in this addictive cycle, right? And I know you feel, like, feel lousy. Ask them, how do you feel now? Do you think you go today without doing it? What can we do to make today a better day than yesterday? But before we do anything, can you just meet me halfway a little bit? Can we get some food? Can we let me get some clothes on you? Can you just watch a movie with me before you run out? Treat them like a human and show them connection and love. Ask them also, um, what or what's bothering you? What's causing you pain? Like what like try to get to them because sometimes it might be like I'm just sad, man, or my girlfriend dumped me or my boyfriend dumped me, man. I'm just upset, like you know. Or I found I found my wife cheating and I don't I never told nobody. You know. Or it might just be like yo, I just don't I'm, I'm depressed and I feel like they may be having a mental health um problem that they're going through and using drugs and alcohol to numb it. So they may just be depressed and say, oh, you depressed. Tell me why you're depressed. Would you like So if I get you to talk to someone Like a therapist or something Would you be interested in that um, Alright You want to go catch a movie And talk about it some more Have lunch with me Then maybe give them a little money And say oh, you know I'll see you later You have to Just be responsible I'll see you to, like Come home tonight Treat them more human And eventually They'll open up to you And they'll start to feel A little bit But you push them all the way out Get out of here I don't want to see you How dare you You're a disgrace Never gonna work Okay you're not helping anyone and you're playing God and you're judging, so don't do it. And I'm, I'm only saying that out of a loving place because you want to, deep down, once you throw them out, you're gonna miss them, you're gonna be up all night worrying about what they're doing, if they're alive. Every time you the phone ring, you think it's gonna be the cops, you're gonna, don't, you wanna make sure you keep a warm line open to your family, all right? So be supportive, offer encouragement and support during their recovery and addiction process. Encourage them to seek professional help. We just touched on that. Um, A professional drug counselor can provide addiction treatment and help your loved one overcome their addiction. Encourage them to seek professional help. All right. Now, you have this is what I want to say to this. Encouraging them is one thing. Have a treatment plan in tow. Like literally make sure the insurance is lined up if it's your family member, talk to drug centers and say, listen, I'm consistently working on my family. I'm going to call every day to see if y'all got a bed. I'm gonna try to get them into a bed every day until I can, or at least have a place that we're gonna call, have an interventionist or somebody, someone that you know when you're ready or when you're, the day the person that you love say, you know what, I'm tired and I wanna get help. You have to have a plan of action. Here, listen to this podcast, Sober is Dope. I bought this book for you. Let's go get you some new clothes. I have a place that we could go to. I have a meeting we could go to tonight. Pop is on the phone. He's willing to talk to you. Like, let, let's, let's start throwing things at them. Now, even while your person is in recovery, this is a standard invitation for Sober is Dope. If you know someone is addicted and they're willing to talk, I'm willing to talk to them. I could email them. I could We could talk. We could do probably a quick talk on the phone. I'm willing to say, listen, how are you doing? You know, and just talk to them as from a human perspective. Let them know their options. We know that if someone is dealing with addiction, they can't do too much until they're ready. But you'll be surprised. Someone could wake up in the middle of the night, I'm ready and I'm done, right? So you wanna be ready to encourage them to seek professional help and have the resources already mapped out. Set boundaries, set clear. All right, this is tip number four. We're doing 20 practical tips for family members and loved ones dealing with a person that's addicted to drugs and alcohol. These are tips that I put together from Sober Dope. I put them together for you guys because I really care about opening up the conversation for family members of love and, and, and friends of loved ones that's dealing with addiction. I think we need to start doing a lot more, and I'm and I'm also contemplating doing a second, like an a, like a, another podcast that's geared towards family members specifically. Because we have to open up the conversation, but maybe we can house everything here. So this is tip. number four set boundaries set clear boundaries and consequences for unacceptable behavior related to drugs or alcohol abuse stick to them consistently i agree with this 100 like with with like you got to remember someone that's dealing with addiction is almost like a child like when they're in their addiction their brain function is not at 100 their brain is going to default to very like basic behaviors Like, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that, I need this now, this is your fault, you, not me. They tend to get agitated loud. They wanna, now set clear boundaries. Now, going back to number one, educate yourself. Two, be supportive. Three, encourage them to seek professional help and map out the process for them. But setting boundaries is serious. You cannot play. When they disrespect your boundaries, you have to let them know You cross the line, okay? And you cannot do that again. Like, you cannot use in my house. Or you may say because some people may talk about harm reduction and stuff like that well some family members may say well I want you to I'd rather you use in my house than somewhere else but then just set boundaries like you can't bring people around here you can't bring drugs around the kids I don't want no needles in the house I don't want alcohol around the kids I don't you know have just set that whatever you're that's up to you I can't randomly create boundaries for you you have to set them and like tell them if you break these boundaries If you violate these boundaries now, now a little warning Like spoiler alert Addicts is definitely prone To violating boundaries As part of the addiction That happens in addiction Right Alright So um And listen I don't want to play Political correctness When we're talking about addiction It's a raw thing We're all addicts that When we're listening here You either Someone that's an addiction Someone that knows Someone that's an addiction Addiction is a tough sport man And it's just like Yo listen we, We're not angels So I, you know Sometimes I feel really Like I don't Want to talk as if I'm trying to be all preppy and refined for you guys? Y'all need it raw. We need it raw. We got to speak very plainly because we're come We're dealing with all types of shit. You might be dealing with their dealer. You might be dealing with jail systems. You might be dealing with sex abuse shit. You might be dealing with like major drugs and like all type of craziness so I try to speak as plain to you guys and I try to keep it raw with you so you know you're going to have to set a boundaries but you know that someone in addiction most likely going to break them so you have to be stern but not stern to the point where you're throwing them out on the street and just saying don't call me no more and don't come around no more I just don't want I'm trying to imagine in the future I don't even want to put this on my children but in the future Like if I like, by the way, the my friends that I was referencing in the beginning, they're sober now. So thank God to them. The my family. So there's not too many people in my life right now that's dealing with active addiction. Thank God. I think after ten years, my recovery helped a lot of people, and it rubbed off in a way. But um, I imagine like if I had someone that was close that just happened to manifest an addiction, and it happens, and. You know, would I totally write them off? Or would I have to love them in a specific way, right? Like, and, and then it's the spiritual side to it. Love and compassion and forgiveness, right? I'm a very spiritual guy, as you know. I love God. I'm a Christian. I, I love my faith and stuff. And... Um, and, you know, Jesus teaches us to turn the other cheek and forgive 70 times, seven times and to do all of these things. So it's in my nature and I'm naturally a forgiving person. So it's in my nature to kind of be like, all right, well, you know, but, you know, I think we should give this person a second chance. So trying. I try to put myself in a person's shoe and I try to say well you know I want to love this person and hopefully I could get through to them sometimes you can't until the person is ready but we know that you have to try so just don't write people off totally and be really mindful that there's a chance that you know the person in your life is gonna kind of break some rules but The part of boundaries that's good is like classical conditioning, which is not necessarily the best term because that's like me comparing an addict to a dog. I don't want to do that. What I'm trying to say is the theory is um, eventually if you stay consistent And, you know, you um, are stern. Someone could the the person in your life could eventually respect your boundaries. It may take a few times. Like, just don't write them off the first time they break a rule or something. Like for me, I knew like um, the first time, like when I had that fight with my mom, I instantly knew after that I cannot go around my mother if I'm drinking anymore. It was understood. The next time I see my mother, I will be sober. That's how committed I was. And like less than um, 40, 30 days later, 35 days later, I came back to my house on that Christmas and I was like, hi, you know, um, you know, I literally left my mom's house, was homeless. I was walking around. My friend was like, you could stay on my, you could sleep on my floor when I'm home so he was a dj so he would be coming home at all types of night three four in the morning i would like that he'll leave like in the afternoon to do stuff i'll have to leave so i kind of was like i had a place but it was like from this small period i had no belongings and it was like kind of like uh, one week thing and eventually I just like got, got on my knees gave my life back to God I just couldn't do it it was like I just was like I'm done I went through the process and you know this is based on a sober's dope story and then I went back to get um, help um, and then uh, when I was sober that following Christmas um, no that Christmas because this was in November that December 25th I came back to my house and I was like hey, I'm in rehab and I'm here to say hello and Merry Christmas. And I was slowly able to start to make amends to my family again. Because I was sober wasn't enough for my mom to not be hurt, but she was so proud, but she was also hurt because she told me, don't come back here. And that resulted in me like really just being on the streets, but if she wasn't stern, would I have found sobriety as soon, sooner and later? My mom just forgave me after that fight and said, all right, sleep it off, kid, and here's some money. You can go get your little drink and your little cigarettes. Would I be here today at this point saying, I'm 10 years sober and I'm Papa Buchanan the found her sober? It's dope. I don't think I would have. My story would have been 100% different. I could have went another three, four years and potentially died drinking. So my mom putting her foot down was helpful. Um, So you just have to kind of know that you're gonna have to throw a Hail Mary. If If you're too stern, it could push your kid to a place where or your loved one to a place where they don't come back from. Or it could be the one thing that gets them to that place where they find their recovery. It's almost a gamble. So this is very delicate. You have to have some emotional intelligence to know your child, to know the person that you're with, and to determine what they can handle and what they may not be able to handle. If you know your child is just going through this addiction, but they can't handle the streets like that, and you don't want to throw them to the wolves, then don't throw them to the wolves. If your child is a type where they just so wild, where... If they can't be indoors or in anyone's place, then you might have to set strong boundaries. That's up to you. Moving along. And I have to, I, the reason why I'm creating these tangents is because although I wrote out these um, tips for you guys, emotionally things come up that's pertinent. And this subject is really emotional for me so bear with me because if i'm because uh, i because you'll learn a lot here but it's those insights that we can't write they come from the heart that sometimes could make the difference in your life all right tip number five practice self-care take care all right this is important y'all this is one of the biggest ones like i said i have a friend right now who's she's like literally dying behind the stress of her son's addiction. And I don't think anyone should do that under any circumstance. You should not put yourself into an emotional and physical place that's unhealthy um, because you love someone and because you're so preoccupied. You have to take care of you first, all right, because that's, that's how life works. You're not put here to love someone to the point to where you have to die for them or you have to suffer mental health wise and get unhealthy and get sick. You do not deserve that. That's for the you husbands out there, you wives out there, spouses, significant others who feel like I gotta take this ride with this person. The people out there who have addiction, but they're very abusive and nasty. Some people, some addicts and um, are very abusive and nasty verbally and just disgusting sometimes. And they cause so much pain that you don't, the, they then you have to set the boundaries like you can't come around because you are just gonna cause emotional damage to the kids and everyone. What we do not condone on Sober is Dope is people getting drunk and high and putting their hands on other people, not an excuse. That's just you, that's not always the addiction, that's in you. Because I wasn't hitting nobody. I got friends who were smoking everything from doing everything, and they wouldn't put it. Like, if you out here thinking that you could use alcohol and drugs to beat on somebody or sexually manipulate somebody or be verbally abusive to people that's innocent, especially kids, then you need to check yourself because we don't support that. All right? Because we believe that if I believe that if I, as, as empathetic as, as much as I am a champion for someone dealing with addiction, Evil is evil, dumb shit is dumb shit, and abuse is abuse, all right? We can't always say someone is not to be held accountable because they was using drugs and alcohol. I can see if it was a one-time stretch, had a bad night, We, but if someone is consistently drinking and putting their hands on you and coming home every day, they most likely, there's something wrong with them, and then you need to either call the authorities, or get them out your life and keep them out your life, all right? You do not deserve to be a punching bag or be abused verbally or anything. That's where we draw the line. I draw the line. All right, I'm a little old school. People getting drunk and high usually shouldn't be bothering people. You might poke the bear. They might get triggered. They might explode. They're hurting. Hurt people. Hurt people. But when it gets to a point where it's consistent abuse and your your mental health and you locking the doors and you're afraid they're gonna assault you, they need to be put in a institution or something. All right. And and if you're an addict out there and you don't like what I'm saying, inbox me. You could come to my face and say it because we could talk. I'm still I'm still pop from the block. I don't. Care what y'all talking about. It's one thing I do not condone is people sexually abusing anyone, manipulating people, or trying to verbally abusing people. Don't you don't hide that evil shit and don't blame that on your addiction. That's you. All right, so. we're talking about someone who may be going through the motions and they was a good person and they're they're having issues but when it gets to a realm of psychosis and mental shit that's outside your pay grade they either gotta be dealing with professionals or if you know you don't have the emotional skill set or range to deal with that get yeah get out of dodge all right cuz i'm tired of the horror stories i don't think any parent i don't think anyone should be abusing their spouse when they're drinking i don't think they should be verbally abusing them i don't think kid if you have kids and you're drinking and doing drugs and you're abusive you you have a real problem Okay, because that's one thing that I would I have to draw the line at inflicting that damage on kids and bringing that around kids. That means that you don't have any regard for life. And it means that in your mind, you couldn't say, let me remove myself from this until I get help. But if you're going to stay around the kids and you're consistently being abusive, then you need a special type of help. We don't condone that stuff. All right. We have they have if you are a person that's out there that's that's dealing with um, the trauma from a parent that was an addict, um, that was abusive. They have a um, adult children of um, alcoholics. That's a ACOA. Um, that's a, a, a group that's really powerful. Um, we also have our anon. If you're a family member or someone dealing with a person that's dealing with addiction, you um, you have all type of groups out there. But please. Don't stay in an abusive situation out of love because being abused is not love. If a person is broken enough to where they're hurting you because they're hurt, then they need to be removed from your life until they could make amends to you and because you don't deserve that. And there's a lot of people who die by the hands of people that's under addiction because of un resolve trauma that the addict may have. That's why on Sober is Dope we consistently speak about the connection between mental health and addiction. We have to address both. We can't just say, I'm going to AA and I'm going to rehab and that's it. That's not enough in most cases. I, it's not. You have to go see a psychiatrist. You got to make sure you take a medication. You have to deal with trauma. If you're abusive, you have to figure out why am I too nasty to people? Why am I putting my hands on people? Right? You need to get help. Okay. But just don't sit there and say, "Oh, I'm blaming the, I blame it on alcohol." And then you know I gave my wife a black eye four times in the four four times this month. That shit is unacceptable. All right. So if you're a family member and you're dealing with that, run, all right? I'm telling you right now, you have permission to run and none of this applies to you, all right? You just need to get as much professional help and get create distance from that type of person because it's not just the addiction at that point, they're dealing with some other stuff, all right? Let's keep going. Um, avoid enabling Oh let us let me just put a cap on that That was tip number 5 Practice self care Take care of yourself physically and mentally Because it can be challenging to deal with loved ones addiction So make sure you prioritize your own well being Tip number 6 Avoid enabling Enabling behaviors such as providing money or shelter Can, per, can perpetuate the addiction Refrain from enabling And seek professional advice on how to encourage positive behavior So going back to when I said being supportive, be supportive, but don't be enabling the addiction, right? Don't be like bank, like I said, don't bankroll the addiction. Like create boundaries and stuff. All right, avoid judgment, very important. Avoid blaming, shaming, or judging your loved ones. This can exasperate the addiction, um, and um, this can uh, this can exasperate the addiction and make it harder for them to seek help. Right. So definitely you don't want to judge. Um, That's just the worst thing in the world. I hate people do that. Like you don't want to start, you know, blaming, shaming and judging your loved ones and saying crazy, especially when they're under the influence. Like you could kind of hold some hard, have some hard conversations and be accountable and vent, but do it when they sober. Do it when they wake up. When they wake up and they come to you and say, hey, anything happened yesterday? Was I good? You know, be like, no, have a seat. You, you did a lot of bad stuff yesterday and it's unacceptable and I want to talk to you about it. And I want you to understand that it's not fair. It's not easy. I'm telling you out there. It's real easy for me to read this stuff, but I'm not some like psychiatrist or something that never dealt with it. That's just going to read it. I'm, I've been on both sides. so I'm very 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 compassionate about this like I understand it I feel you like it's not easy in real time it's very difficult to be calm and have composure when you're dealing with someone who just terrorized the whole night away right you know and did all of these disrespectful things these disrespectful things is difficult so when they sober up the next day and they try to come to you, you really, you ready to fight. You ready to fight. Like, yo, listen, man, you, I'm done with you. Like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of your shit. You gotta stop effing up. You gotta grow up. Stop being like this. You just a drunk. Or you just a, that's the language. You gotta fight that. Because it doesn't help. It's just gonna make them feel more terrible about themselves and they're gonna run out looking for their drug of choice much faster. So it's a tightrope. You shouldn't have to be on a tightrope, but this is someone you love, right? So if you're going, if you want them in your life, you gotta play by the rules and the unwritten rules in recovery is patience, unless it's an abusive situation or something like that. So avoid judgment, and when you are trying to vent and really um, communicate your pain. Try to do it in, an, in, a, in a when they're in when the person that's addicted is in a state where they're more susceptible to receive your message. Alright. Tip number eight: seek support. Join support groups such as Al-Anon, which support support and guidance for family members of addicts. Tip number nine: understand relapse. Relapse is a common, is common in addiction recovery. Learn how to recognize signs of relapse and support your loved ones through the process. Tip number 10, encourage positive behaviors. Encourage healthy behaviors such as exercise, healthy eating, and regular sleep patterns. Tip number 11, practice open communication. Encourage open and honest communication with your loved one, but avoid being confrontational or aggressive. Very important. Very important. Very important. Oh my God. Cause you could really step to someone and vent. You could step to one and express your pain. You could step to them and um, communicate effectively. But if you do it in a confrontational and aggressive way, you're either gonna trigger the addict to the person that's dealing with the misuse to really just explode. Or you're going to unfortunately, just screw up the whole conversation so what you want to do is you want to make sure you're in a position where you are not aggressive yelling angry and being explosive to the person that's dealing with the addiction recovery because you have to protect yourself all right hold on okay so moving along here we go All right. Um, The next tip that I want to talk about is learning how to handle triggers. Triggers such as stress, anxiety, or boredom can lead to relapse. Learn how to recognize triggers and help your loved one cope with them. We talk about this extensively on the podcast. If you're someone who's dealing with a family member that's dealing with drug or alcohol misuse, listen to Sobers though because by listening to me speak to other people that's dealing with addiction or that may be in addiction recovery, you will be able to educate yourself and um, you'll be hearing from another perspective. And that'll help you be a little bit more well-rounded. And you'll learn a lot about triggers, relapse, and a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. All right. So learn how to handle triggers. Tip number 13, help your family member, loved one, build a support network, encourage your loved one to build a support network of friends, family, and professionals who can provide emotional support during recovery or addiction, okay, um, yeah, like, you, when they're sober, you're gonna have to say, listen, we're gonna, we got, we got the, this uncle, this aunt, We have the neighborhood priest. We have this local officer. We have this person They all love you. They all know you and they all want to talk to you. But we're all here in support because we want to see you get sober. Or if you're in recovery, we want to help you reinforce your recovery process. A lot of this episode is about also reinforcing the recovery process because for for, for the most part, we may have a family member or someone who just recently just found their recovery. And we're we're walking on a tightrope like, yo, any day this person could go, wow, like we're so happy they're in recovery. We want to keep them there. So a lot of this is also prone to a family member who have someone that's dealing with addiction, but that is also in recovery. You want to keep them there because, you know, at any moment something go wrong and you don't want to open up that Pandora's box and deal with all that trauma all over again. All right. Tip number 14, celebrate milestones. Celebrate your loved one's milestones, no matter how small. Recognizing their process can encourage them to continue on the road to recovery. This also applies to when they're in addiction. Like, if you know, if you see like one of your family, like a, someone that you love, sleep through the whole day because they had a bad night. You could flip it instead of saying you slept all day because you got drunk and high last night. You could say, Hey, congratulations, you just went through pretty much 15 hours sober. You know, now I know you might feel bad, but let's get you in the shower, let's get you some food. You know, you did, hey, you just did your first day sober. You could kind of run with that. Just saying that to someone to give them the, 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 that that idea like wow like i really like i've been using for a while now you know they just had a terrible night and slept off the day or a terrible day and slept off the night but you could reframe it a lot of this is reframing instead of saying you slept all day because you was a terror last night say hey you had a bad day yesterday but you were sober today you slept for the last the whole the whole day you know they They really, we won't always remember time. Someone dealing with addiction is not going to know what time it is. So you could just say, yo, you slept the whole day. You've been sober for two, three days, you know, whatever. Just keep them in a positive state, all right? Tip number 15, avoid becoming a codependent. I was an ultra codependent for a few people. But anyway, um, avoid becoming codependent. Avoid becoming overly involved in your loved one's addiction or recovery. This can lead to codependency and hinder their recovery. All right. Tip number 16, set realistic expectations. Recovery from addiction is a long and challenging process. Set realistic expectations and be patient. All right. Tip number 17, help them find purpose. Encourage your loved one to find purpose and meaning in life beyond their addiction. This can help them find motivation to stay sober or to become sober. So don't always, what we tend to do here, and this is how I'm going to flip this, to what we tend to do here as friends and family of someone that may be addicted, um, we tend to always focus on the addiction. right? Every day is like, what you do today? You know you got to find a job. You know, uh, you know you look bad yesterday. It's it's like the theme. Every so when they associate seeing you, it's always from a a, a lens of judgment. So, kind of try to find a way to encourage or to speak um, to your family members in a way where where it's not always spotlighting their addiction, but also you know talking about other things that may be going on bringing up other things in their life that they could be focused on like you know highlighting you know well hey have you thought about drawing lately you know you're an amazing drawer you know and they got this new movie out You get your thoughts on there hey did you hear about this that happened in the news just shifting the conversation so they're not associating you with judgment and oh here come this because i used to have that i used to see like certain people and be like oh my god here come this person they're don't want to talk to me and stuff I wasn't happy to see them I would try to run if I saw them before they saw me I would run around the block or hide behind a car because I would want to avoid them because I didn't want to deal with the whole sobriety talk today but if, 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 it, if it was someone that was like well I don't know they lay like most of the time they talk to me there um, they just talk about most things but I know they want me to be sober I'll be more prone to open up and communicate All right. So tip number 17, help them find purpose. Encourage your loved one to find purpose and meaning in life beyond the addiction. This can help them find motivation. Um, to stay sober and become, become sober. I love that one. We're moving along. 18, seek professional advice. Seek advice from addiction professionals on how to deal with specific situations and challenges related to your loved one's addiction, right? So you could go deep. Like There's a company that we really love, SAMHSA. So um, you could really call SAMHSA. They got a toll-free hotline. You could look for your local Alcoholic Anonymous. You could go talk to a local uh, rehabs and ask them questions. You could walk into them and say hey here's a situation I'm thinking about bringing my kid in this is where they're at do you have advice you can go online you can call me we could talk it out if I don't know an answer I do have counselors and professional people I can co- contact um, you know but I you know I, I'm I would say people like myself that has 10 years of recovery or ha- that are in recovery first of all forget the 10 year part that are in recovery that has a long history of addiction. Like, I was a di- I was drinking alcohol for well, 20 years, man. You know, so, my thing is, uh, I would say, like, professionals is great, are great, but you also want to speak to people who can relate to your child or your loved one. Like, I know what to do, I know what someone's going through, I know what to talk to, I know when to talk to someone that's a addiction and when not to say anything. Some days I see people, some like, I, I saw this guy the other day kicking a. arm. Um, he was kicking the, the, a gate of a business, a business he kept kicking the gate. Then he'll walk down a block and then he'll kick another gate. And he was talking to himself and he was just disheveled and kind of angry. And I was like, I know what it is. He just drank. He ran out of this liquor, so now he's upset. The liquor hit him, so now he's spiraling. Um, but he doesn't like the rush and how he feels. Now he's thinking about, now he's angry at the world and everyone and he's pissed at society and life because he doesn't have no more money for liquor and because he's drunk, it's everyone's fault. He's angry with the world. But he's really hurting, he's really hungry, he's really pissed, he's really mad that he's homeless, he's mad that he's drunk, he's mad that he's left alone and abandoned, he doesn't know how to connect with anyone, no one wants to talk to him, so he's, he's all by himself. And how it manifests to the public is, oh look at that crazy guy over there kicking the gate. When I'm looking at him, I'm like, ah, oh, he just he, he only had enough money to buy that small bottle and he drank it fast and now he's pissed and he's angry at everything. You know. Now I could have went to him and said, Hey buddy, listen, um you need money to get another bottle. I mean, I don't want. your, hey, buddy, you want to get help? Or, hey, buddy, are you hungry? Or, hey, buddy, what's your deal? Or whatever, right? Because sometimes helping someone is not denying them of what they need for their addiction. I know they talk about cold enabling and codependency, but it's been days where I gave people money for beer or something because that what that's what they needed to get through that day. Sometimes for someone not to die, you got to have some compassion. Now you have to gauge the situation. I'm not saying you do that as a family member. I'm talking about more strangers. I could read a situation I could just see that a guy's down on his luck. I love, it was this one guy um, in New York City. So I'm in New York, so you get thousands of characters. So it's a lot more interactions, but it was this one guy who had the best sign up. He was like, I just need money. I just need a buddy for a beer. I was like, yo, come on, bro, going will get you a beer, bro. I know that feeling, man. Um, sometimes, you know, you gotta just feel it out. But um, just remember that, The point I'm trying to make is that these people including myself we're human we're human we're in pain we're we're, we're, we're living out this protracted long form pain that's just like (sighs) it just doesn't it's persistent it doesn't go anywhere and it's like that pain and combined with that addiction just took so so much away from us that we're just almost outcast in our mind and we don't know where to start and how to pick up the pieces it all seems too impossible our our life seems already final and it's just dark and and that's what rock bottom looks like that was rock bottom for that gentleman that was kicking those gates and that was homeless he was in perpetual rock bottom but at some point, we pray that he can snap out of it. Just like at some point, we pray that through your love and compassion and understanding, the love, your loved one will snap out of it, right? So let's finalize these 20 tips and thank you for your patience. Um, tip number 19, keep a positive attitude. Stay positive and hopeful, even in difficult times. A positive attitude can help your loved one stay motivated and focus on their recovery. Tip number tw- or let's let's before we go on to tip number twenty, not just stay of recovery. Keep a positive attitude. Stay positive and hopeful even in difficult times. A positive attitude can help your loved one stay motivated and focused on the possibilities of recovery, even while in addiction. Okay, that's how we'll say that. So for someone in recovery, we want to keep them kind of motivated. So there was a point where I was. I was silently motivated for the and hopeful that I could get help. I just had to keep working on myself mentally till I had the strength to start get, to get there. What, what, what led up to me dropping to my knees that day on for when I said how I mentioned in the first episode on sober is dope how I got sober is I got on my knees started crying to God and praying and I asked God to remove this from me. I was aiming for absolute permanent transformation. I was for, for totally done with addiction, totally done. I had to get on my knees and address God first before I did anything, right? I had to go all the way. To the root cause of everything like I had to deal with this spiritual malady and all of this stuff but it didn't just start there it was like laying on that floor that hardwood floor of my friend's apartment when he would come home at three or four in the morning from DJing after me spending that week or two riding the train and walking in the neighborhood and trying to figure out how to get money up there get some more beer and brandy. I was laying on that floor and I knew this is the this this is it these are the final days. It's either this or I go directly into a the streets and just become like a professional whatever right homeless person. You know what I mean? Like I'm committed to just drinking, panhandling, and being homeless. And it was that wasn't my nature. It wasn't even my destiny. I was just in a bad way. I kicked out my mom's house. We had this fight. I had nowhere to go. I burnt every other brick. So just to give you guys context, if I winded up at my mother's point in my 30s, it means that I lost the house, the girl, the family, the resources, friends, money, couches, couch surfing. I did. I ran through every one of those scenarios before I winded up back at mom's, which is no one wants to wind, back, wind up back home with their parents. So that was truly a form of rock bottom. Me being at my mom's house was rock bottom, but it was controlled rock bottom, meaning that, okay, I'm at mom's house at some point, I gotta get it together, my mom's not gonna allow me to sit here and drink and act stupid. So I know at some point I gotta get it together. And I think that fight was me trying to just it was just me lashing out at everything and everyone to my mom because I knew the party was totally over. And from here, I had to give it all up because my mom would not let me. She would just, she would really chastise me and just stay on me until I got a job or got cleaned up. It was no way she was gonna wake up every day and see me sitting there sleeping and trying to drink. It was not gonna happen. So I knew at some point, like, okay, I had to work on myself. So after having that fight with my mother, when I was on that hardwood floor, or when I was walking in the freezing cold winter in New York City, homeless with no money, I remember one time smelling food coming from people's houses. Like, damn, I'm really hungry, man. I like, I could cook. I like to cook. I, I miss my brownstone. I miss my girl. I miss this. I miss that. How do I wind up on the street? And I'm, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking. While I'm thinking about all of this, all I could think about is beer and brandy and, and and smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, this is not right. I don't want this life. But all I could think about is drinking. I have nothing. I have no one. And I have a lot of people that love me. i burnt burned all those bridges. My addiction made it. Now I could have went back to those people and they would have, out of compassion, probably took me in, but I knew when enough was enough. I wasn't, it wasn't my nature to push people. Once I asked for help and if I burnt that bridge, I would bow out gracefully and mind my business. The point I'm trying to make is, it was, I worked on myself every single day, deep within my subconscious. I was thinking about possibilities of sobriety, possibilities of this new life that I could live. What can I do and what do I have to do to possibly get sober? And then eventually it led me to getting on my knees and beginning the process by saying to God, I'm done, the devil captured me and I'm dying and I don't wanna do this anymore. God, can you help me? Can you send me a blessing? And I heard a voice from God that said done, you got it it's done I love God God was so complete when he spoke to me it was like done I get it I hear your heart I know you're legit you God was like I know you wouldn't I wouldn't come to God that at that level if it was a game to play the only game I had left was healing and transformation and giving my life back to God that was what I wanted I could not compete with the devil and his the works of addiction and alcohol it was not an option. So um, my point, I said all of that to say this, which is one of my favorite phrases, a positive attitude can help your loved one stay motivated and focus on recovery while in addiction. The more love and compassion that you have, the more that you give to them and sow into them when they're in addiction you want to talk to your loved one in addiction love them while they're addicted never chastise them and judge them you do that when they're sober but not in a confrontational way you see that formula my loved one comes in and i'm mad at them give them a big hug put on some music say you want to dance with me man they yeah man i want to dance let's dance Dance them to sleep, get them tired. Dance them to sleep. At least they're sleeping for the night, you know. Don't don't treat them like some type of monster, or some type of outcast, or some type of demon. It's not them that's the demon. It's the demon of addiction that's within them. And the only thing that could drive out a demon is love, compassion, and God. All right. So keep that in mind. Like you are going through a lot if you're dealing with this. It's a horrible thing to deal with. It's a sad thing to deal with. It's heartbreaking, period. It's heartbreaking. Seeing someone that you love, is heartbreaking. But not just that it's heartbreaking, it's not just heartbreaking for you, it's also heartbreaking for the person that's in addiction. Now, to the addiction community and to the recovery community, this episode is for the loved ones in your life, for those people that had to endure your madness, our madness, our madness, our derangement, our addictions. But keep this episode in mind next time you think about relapsing or you think that it's too hard. It's not just about you, man. Think about that kid's mom I mentioned, she is dying. You can hear it in her voice, you can see it in her face. She's probably not eating, she's not sleeping. She already has self-issues, um, health issues. You know, bypass surgery, all of this stuff from stress, probably just like, and you know, her kid is F you, I don't care, I just on you, give me money, you ain't shit. all of this addict talk. Um, because she's under the influence and you don't help me then, F you. And, uh, and it's all of this torture. And she could quite possibly not make it because of her commitment to her child. And our families, if we're lucky, take the ride with us. If they're lucky, we come around and hear them. But remember this episode, and remember me and my voice and this tone, when you're sitting there and you're about to use again and break your recovery. And if you're in addiction, I love you. We love you. There's people that's right now in a dark place listening to this message. I get it. I've been there. I love you. You have to find the strength in yourself, okay? To love yourself enough to break this cycle of addiction. And you have to find out how to do it and do everything you can to make it happen. Because you deserve to live and you deserve to love and you deserve to be normal because we're not normal when we're in our addiction. We're totally abnormal, right? We're upside down, all right? So this is a touching subject, so I had to do it. And I want you guys out there to be courageous enough to share this with your family and friends. If you know someone that has a cousin or a friend that's dealing with addiction and they're stressing, say, listen to this episode, all right? Not everything I might say may resonate. Some things may rub you wrong. It's okay. Just take what works and disregard what doesn't. All right? Um, I cannot hit everyone's expectation with an episode or what they may want to hear. But there's something in here that you needed to hear. Even if it's one thing it was worth listening to. So let's wrap up. Tip number 20 um, on... 20 practical tips for family members and loved ones dealing with a person addicted to drugs and alcohol tip number 20 don't give up addiction recovery is a challenging process but it is possible don't give up on your loved one and continue to support them on their recovery and addiction journey and their journey to recovery from addiction and their journey while in addiction all right, cause we're, cause it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not cookie cutter here. All right, so if you're out there and you're in active addiction, I love you. You could get your shit together and you could level up your life. I'm telling you from my mouth to God's ear, you could do it um if you are in recovery help those that's in active addiction tell your story share this episode go out there let them you know tell them maybe i should have spoke to that guy that day that I was kicking the fences but he just needed to vent that was his way of venting and eventually he figured it out you know what a couple of days later i think this guy was sleeping on the benches in our neighborhood and you could see him every time you try to go to the bank he's on the bench about two or three days later, I, had, I didn't see him. All his stuff on the bench was gone and everything. I feel like something about that day, when he was angry and he was kicking that fence, that was his eureka moment. That was his moment to say, I'm done. I gotta go back into the shelter system and get some help. I gotta go talk to a counselor. I gotta go and get some detox. Alright, so you never know when the person that's dealing with addiction is gonna snap out their derangement. It can happen like a thief in the night. It just happens by the grace of God. You never know. So don't give up. You never know. A person in your life that seems like an impossible mess just may surprise you. Just be patient, practice self-care, love yourself. I want to shout out the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Um, Some of my tips that I put together came from resources that they provide. I also want to um, shout out Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Um, SAMHSA, I mentioned them. I love them. And um, I will put some um, resources in the show notes for um, they have a guide for families on what to do when your loved one is struggling with addiction. Um, This is very important. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. So this episode is intended to brighten the mental health load of family and loved ones dealing with a person that's in addiction. I know it's tough and I know it's not easy. And I know that some days you just want to throw in a towel. I know it's taking a toll on your health and your mental health. But there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is there, there is support for you. Alright, so God bless you. Don't give up. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave a review. Don't forget to get the Sober is Dope book. It has prayers that can help both the family that's dealing with someone that's in addiction and the person that's in addiction. And it can also help you and the family while in recovery. OK, and it's just general prayers and it's just general affirmations and general tips and general scientific advice. And my testimony, you combine that all together, it becomes a kind of cool tool to have when you don't know what to do. All right. And pray for me. I'm thinking about the second book is to be ad- to address these issues. And I think that we need more support and more resources for families that's dealing with someone that may be addicted. I know it's tough and you're not alone. I love you all. My name is Pop. You can- and I'm 10 years sober I'm the founder of Sober is Dope I'm really excited to bring this message to you uh, Have a beautiful, beautiful day And keep going I'll catch you on the other side Peace and love
1: I need you like I needed God. Memories of an alcoholic conceived scars. No remedy to explain this psyche barred. Beyond jail, every cell was not need of bars. God forgive me please, memories are needing weed. I was used to psychedelics, had me seeing threes. I was used to Christian brothers, had no quiet near. No brandy eventually was my final fear. Past the bogey pop, after death I missed my pops. Cried the ocean, held my breath, had no need to stop. But devotion gave me second chances, needed God Sounds romantic on a land of gab, I found my God Jesus Christ is real, addiction is an affliction curse One description seemed depicted in a motion hearse Walking dead unconscious when conviction hurts A crucifixion of the human birth consumed in dirt God help us all, recovery with addiction first The decision falls, hope my benediction works On my knees before I crawled, asked God for help And after all what I saw was a God of wealth, not cash for gold, forgiveness for a lonely soul. Not forgotten in the homeless cold or home alone. Whether crack pipe or whiskey gin, addiction spins around with gold, sick within such a vicious gin, such a vicious cycle. But there is hope when the love is there. God mercy for the boy, help the man appear. But there is hope when the love is there. God mercy for the boy, help the man appear. Now I'm sober.